it going, Longhorn Nation? Welcome to Texas Talk, your one-stop shop for everything involving Texas Longhorns football. I'm your host, Ryan McAloon, and we are recording on Tuesday, July 10th. I hope everyone had a great and safe 4th of July weekend. I'm excited to be back after a week off. And today, we will be talking about Texas's roster heading into the 2023 season. This is something I'm going to be doing with every single one of Texas's opponents for the 2023 season, so I figured why not start with Texas? Before we get into it though, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening. Also, tell your friends and family about us. After that, make sure to check out our website, texas-talk.com. On the website, you'll be able to find the Longhorns updated roster, depth chart, the 2023 recruiting class, transfer portal additions and departures, any trending news, plus our analysis on the team. So be sure to check that out. Uh, the link to the website will be in the description. All right, let's get into it. And there's no better place to start than at quarterback with Quinn Ewers. QB1, Steve Sarkeesian said so himself after the spring game. And it was pretty obvious going into the spring game that Quinn Ewers was going to win the job over Malik Murphy. And even more of a hype in the national news was Arch Manning. So Quinn Ewers, bona fide QB1. He is definitely the most important player for Texas. Most important position in all of sports is the quarterback position. So obviously Quinn Ewers is going to make or break this Texas season. Um, he showed some awesome flashes throughout the season last year and had a great spring game. So a little bit of positive positivity going into 2023. Quinn Ewers is an incredible talent, but his footwork and his rhythm in the passing game really needed to be fixed. And when I talk about rhythm, I'm talking about hitting a guy in stride on those short slant routes He's not late to throws, just in the rhythm of the offense. He's on time, something he was great at, which isn't the same as rhythm, but his anticipation, and they're pretty similar when watching, but his anticipation was absolutely elite at times. And that's something that I think is a lot harder to teach than rhythm and his footwork. So those two areas he needs to improve on, but having that anticipation as just an elite trait is a great starting point for Quinn Ewers. And that's not even mentioning his elite arm talent. He was the number one quarterback and the number one prospect in his recruiting class for a reason. And it's because of how talented he is just coming off the bus, but he has had some injury concerns. And that brings us to QB two, Malik Murphy, who also had an incredible spring game, um, enough so that some Texas fans actually wanted him to be QB1, but I'm in the boat that Quinn Ewers were riding and dying with him until he moves on to the NFL after this season. Then it'll be Malik Murphy versus Arch Manning for the 2024 spot. Um, back to Malik Murphy, though. He gives Texas a really solid floor. Even if Quinn Ewers does battle an injury throughout the season, I feel pretty good that Malik Murphy could lead Texas to a conference championship in a Big 12 champion. Um, but it's a little bit more of an unknown. Malik Murphy, obviously super talented coming out of high school. He had a great spring practice, but it's not exactly game ready. So... It's a little bit more of an unknown, and I think Texas, their team as a whole, would have to play a whole lot better from Malik Murphy to lead them to a Big 12 championship, but I definitely think it's in the realm of possibilities. Now, if we get into Arch Manning territory and Charles Wright territory as QB 3 and 4 there, I feel a lot, lot less good, <laughs> um, if that's a saying, about Texas's chances of having a 10 9-10 win season, but with Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy, I really do feel good about this quarterback room in Texas. Moving on to the running backs, I think we have three guys here who could easily 
be the lead running back. And that's Jonathan Brooks, Cedric Baxter, and Jadon Blue. I wouldn't be surprised if all three of these guys had multiple games with over 100 total yards. I mean, Jadon Blue and Cedric Baxter are known for their pass catching prowess. And Jonathan Brooks as well is not just a kind of you're between the tackles runner. He showed that he can catch the ball as well out of the backfield. So they have three guys who are really, really good at catching and most importantly, running the ball. Um, Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter give Steve Sarkeesian a little bit more height, weight, strength as running backs, whereas Jadon Blue is a little bit more of that scat back. He's a little bit smaller, but at one point he was the number one running back in his recruiting class. He skipped his senior season in high school. We've got into this in in previous podcasts, but Jadon Blue kind of got the short end of the stick there. Still ended up being a top 200 player for most recruiting sites, um, and I think that he is still all as talented as he um, was looking like in his junior year. So those three guys, I think any of the three of them could be the lead running back for Texas in 2023. And that's not including Keelan Robinson and Savion Red. Both of these guys I've listed running back slash wide receiver. And that's kind of where I'm going to slot Trey Wisner in as well. Um, Three-star freshman coming into Texas, but... With Keelan Robinson and Savion Red, both of these guys can line up at wide receiver or in the backfield, and they're both going to put a lot of stress on defenses because if they're out wide, they're going to be lined up with a linebacker most likely, and if that's the case, it's a mismatch for the defense in favor of Steve Sarkeesian and that offense. So Keelan Robinson did a little bit last year. But with Bijan and Roshan, it was tough to justify getting Keelan Robinson a whole lot of carries. Now, with a backfield that's honestly still pretty deep, but a little bit less of star power at this point, Cedric Baxter, I think, will get there eventually. Even Jadon Blue or Jonathan Brooks has a chance to get there this year, but still a little bit of unknowns with both of those. But right now, looking at this roster, there isn't a true superstar, which means that I think all five of these guys are going to have a spot in this offense. Steve Sarkeesian has had a 1,000-yard rusher every single year he's been a play caller in college or NFL. This is the year, though, where I'm not so sure it's going to happen. Unless Jonathan Brooks takes a huge step forward or really just explodes in continues to have that elite um you know play he had as the third and fourth fiddle to Bijan, Roshan, and Keelan. If Jonathan Brooks keeps that up, uh the efficiency, then I do think he'll get a thousand yards easily. But if he kind of is hot and cold, if Cedric Baxter gets hot at any point late in the season, if Jadon Blue shows that he deserves 10 to 15 touches a game as as well as Brooks and Baxter. I don't think we're going to have a thousand yard rusher. I think we're just going to have five running backs who are all contributing to this Texas offense. Something else that's going to persuade Steve Sarkeesian to not have a five or a 1000 yard rusher in 2023 is this wide receiver room, which we'll get into now. This wide receiver room is one of the deepest rooms Texas has to offer and is probably the deepest room that Texas has on the offensive side of the ball. Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Whittington, and Isaiah Nair, that is an awesome top four and might be one of the top three top fours in college football. Obviously, Ohio State is most notable, and they are almost unquestionably the number one wide receiver core in college football. After that, I think Texas has a really good shot at being number two, though. With Nayer coming off an ACL, with and Mitchell and Whittington both having some long injury history of their own, it's great to see the level of depth 
this room has. Xavier Worthy is still going to be the alpha right now. Sark needs to stop using him as a pure deep threat. And with Mitchell and Nair both here now, I think Worthy can go back to being more of a yak threat in the intermediate and short game where he was at his best his freshman season. So I do think A.D. Mitchell and Isaiah Nair are really going to become those deep threats. I think they're going to rotate in and out a decent amount. A.D. Mitchell has dealt with injuries his first two years. Last year, he only played about three or four games before getting injured. Um, Obviously, I said already, but Isaiah Nair is coming off an ACL. So I don't see either of them really being full-time starters. I think those two guys you can kind of rotate in and out with Xavier Worthy obviously being your alpha, staying in every important play. Jordan Whittington is a guy who is just probably the locker room leader in this group. And just being able to have that guy on the field at all times, he's going to be your slot. He's a guy who, as good as he is as an athlete, he's even better as a teammate. He's going to take on that Roshan Johnson role. He's the best blocking wide receiver in college football, in my opinion. And he's going to continue to stay on the field because of that. So I think those four guys could all see the field at the same time, honestly. And that's not even getting into Jatavian Sanders at tight end. But these four guys are all incredibly talented. Also to note, Isaiah Nair is a guy who got as much of, if not more, buzz um, as a pickup in the transfer portal as A.D. Mitchell got this year. So Texas just getting two incredibly good wide receivers in the transfer portal in back-to-back years really just helped out this depth here. Now getting into the actual depth, Casey Kane being wide receiver five is incredible. And Jonte Cook, who is a former five-star freshman now, absolutely ready to contribute immediately. Being wide receiver six just adds to that depth. Like I mentioned earlier, though, they're going to need that depth because with A.D. Mitchell and Isaiah Nair both dealing with injuries last year, and Jordan Whittington, although he was healthy all of last year, two years prior, both years prior, I should say, to that, he was dealing with injuries of his own. So having that depth there with Casey Kane and Jonte Cook kind of helps Steve Sarkeesian not worry about running A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nair, Jordan Whittington too much. And he can kind of rotate these guys in and out. Or what he's probably going to do is just use all four of these guys in any way he really wants to and not worry about any of these guys getting injured along the way because he knows he has dudes behind them. DeAndre Moore and Ryan Niblett are two other notable guys Right now, I think they're going to be special teams guys. Might be punt return. Ryan Niblett is an insane track athlete, um, incredibly fast. Kind of reminds me of Brennan Thompson, who just left in the transfer portal. Um, But both are really, really exciting freshmen. I'm just not sure we're going to see them in year one. If we do, I think that's really bad news to how Texas was decimated by injuries in the wide receiver room. So, Hopefully we see them in a special teams capacity, but I'm not sure we'll see them actually at the wide receiver position a whole lot in 2023, which isn't always a bad thing. You know, taking that year to acclimate to the college level and getting ready for the SEC in 2024 is amazing because Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Whittington, and Isaiah Nair, all four of our top wide receivers could all easily leave after the 2023 season. I think Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington are as good as gone. And A.D. Mitchell and Isaiah Nair, if they stay healthy all year long, they're both going to be day two picks in the NFL as well. Maybe even sneak into round one, especially A.D. Mitchell being incredibly talented. Um, Moving on to tight end now. Jatavion Sanders, I mentioned a little bit earlier. He's an absolute superstar. I think he should be the focal point of this offense. He's a matchup nightmare. I don't care if you have a safety. I don't care if you have a cornerback. 
Um, he is going to beat them. He was a wide receiver in high school. This is only a second year as, or this is his third year now, but he's only been a tight end for two years. So he's still learning the position a little bit and he's already the second best tight end in college football, um, aside for Brock Bowers. So Jadavion Sanders, just almost, I dare to say a transcendent talent and athlete at the tight end position. Steve Zarkeesian is not going to be able to justify taking him off of the field. So if we do see all four wide receivers out there, we're definitely going to see empty because Jatavian Sanders cannot leave the field um, by any means necessary. Next up, we have Gunner Helmet tight end. Really, really solid all-around player. He can block. He can definitely take advantage of a slower linebacker, but he's just not that level of athlete as Jatavian Sanders is. But he does allow you to run two tight end sets and still be really effective. So you could still run out a 12 personnel or a 22 personnel. We saw a lot last year with two good running backs, but we could still run that out and we could still pass the ball pretty effectively because Gunnar Helm is pretty pretty good as a pass catcher as well as a run blocker. Next, we have Juan Davis at tight end. He's a complete unknown in my opinion, a really good athlete. And I think I mentioned this before, but he was said to be the fastest tight end actually in the room ahead of Jatavion Sanders. So that definitely means something to be a better athlete than than Jatavion Sanders at least as straight line speed goes. Um, But the depth at tight end is easily the worst on the team, I'd say. Maybe linebacker, but I personally think it's tight end. So hopefully Jatavian Sanders and Gunnar Helm can kind of stay healthy and Juan Davis can continue to develop because he came into Texas listed as an athlete. So just kind of honing in his skills as a tight end is going to do a lot of good for Texas going into 2024. And Texas doesn't really have a whole lot of tight ends coming in. So currently anyways, so having Juan Davis and Gunnar Helm stick around for the 2024 season is a must. And both of them kind of are lined up to be starters immediately in 2024. Jatavion Sanders is arguably a first round pick as a tight end, which just tells you how good of an athlete he is, but he's absolutely going to be a top 50 player um, in NFL draft uh, circles. So let's move on to my favorite position. Let's talk about the offensive line. Kelvin Banks at left tackle. It's pretty simple. He's a no brainer, all American. Um, He should be an all American This year, last year, he's a freshman All-American, but this year he should be an All-American at left tackle. He's just an absolute dude, and if he was able to leave for the NFL after this season, I'm pretty sure he would, and I'm pretty sure he'd be a top-10 pick, but we still get him for this season and next, so Kelvin Banks, incredible left tackle. Next up, this one. Left guard, Hayden Connor. I think he's a starter. I'm not entirely sure, and we'll get into Nito Umiazulu right now as well. He's talented enough to start. He's more athletic than Hayden Connor. Hayden Connor has been with the program a little bit longer, and Hayden Connor is a little bit stronger right now, in my opinion. Uh, we didn't get to see Nito a whole lot last year, but we did see him in the spring game, and he looked really, really good, in my opinion. I'm a huge Nito Umiazulu fan, so I am rooting for him to start this year because I think that level level of athlete really just raises the bar of this offense, but I just want the best player playing, honestly. And to have two of them that could be starters is just incredible, incredible depth. And I'll kind of hit on that as we go down the depth chart as well for offensive linemen, but Caden Connor and Nito Umiazulu. I think that's going to be the probably the second toughest battle on this offensive line. Um, and we'll see what fall camp kind of brings because I wouldn't be shocked if either one of them won that job. Next up, we have Jake Majors. 
at center. He's a no-brainer as a starter. I think as a center, you just need to be kind of the leader of the offensive line. Kelvin Banks is going to be a leader just because of how talented he is. And by all accounts, talking to Diamante Tucker Dorsey uh, about a month ago now, he seems to think that Kelvin Banks is going to kind of take over a leadership role. And just being the level of talent Kelvin Banks is, that's no surprise. But Jake Majors, being at that center position, having so much experience, I just feel like he is kind of the leader there, and it makes no sense. The center position, he's kind of the guy in charge of the offensive line. He is the communicator of the offensive line. There's no way anybody takes Jake Majors' job this offseason, really, in 2023. Next, we have right guard. This is probably the position that is most up in the air. Cole Hudson is the returning starter from last season, but DJ Campbell is the five-star. He was actually ranked ahead of Kelvin Banks in that 2022 recruiting class. Incredible, incredible athlete. Um, I do think DJ Campbell is going to be the starter in 2023. I think that level of athlete, the size is exactly what Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood are looking for. Cole Hudson, a little bit smaller, not as strong physically as DJ Campbell. Naturally, I should say, not physically, but just not as strong as DJ Campbell. But, and I talk about this a lot, but his incredible movement ability, the way he can get out on poles is a work of art. And that is exactly why I really want him to transition to the center position. Now, not a whole lot of teams pull their centers, but a team that does is the Philadelphia Eagles with Jason Kelsey. And that provide that just creates such a mismatch for the defense, just such confusion, I should say, for the defense. It changes all of the gaps. So most defenses are practicing for the guard to be the puller. But when the center is the puller, it changes every single gap that the defense usually sees on pullers which in the NFL is effective. So in college, it's going to be twice as effective, if not more, just because NFL, that's your job. In college, you only get so much time in a week to practice that. And if you're not practicing it every single week, which most teams don't do it, you're going to have an advantage there. So I think if you move Cole Hudson to center this year, let him learn behind Jake Majors, let him get acclimated with communication, calling out uh, potential blitzers, linebackers, dogs, all of that stuff. Get him acclimated with the center position and let him be your starter in 2024. Something else with the center is in pass protection, they're usually the ones that are helping, doing the helping, while the guards are the ones taking on the one-on-ones. So you're physical strength or natural strength just matters a little bit less as a center than it does at guard. And that is Cole Hudson's biggest weakness is his natural strength, as I mentioned before. So moving him to center, I just feel like kind of nullifies that weakness just a tad bit more. And it could help amplify his superpower, in my opinion, which is his movement and pulling ability. So Hopefully he moves to center, in my opinion, but either way, if he just stays at guard and he is the starter or the backup, him and DJ Campbell, that is a really, really good one-two punch at right guard and honestly something that just amplifies his depth even more with Nito Umiazulu, Cole Hudson, DJ Campbell, and Hayden Connor. Those are four starting caliber guards that Texas has. And obviously, you only can start two of them. Uh, something to note also with Nito is he could play left tackle. I know he can. He played it in the spring, and he played well. So, knock on wood, if the worst happens and Kelvin Banks gets hurt, Nito, I think, could kind of slide into left tackle. And we still have great depth at the guard positions with Cole Hudson, 
DJ Campbell and Hayden Connor there. Moving along here, we got Cam Williams. I have him pegged as a guard as well as a right guard, but I just talked about DJ Campbell and Cole Hudson. I'm not sure. I think that room is going to be a little bit crowded. That position is going to be a little bit crowded. So I also have him listed at right tackle. And I don't think he has the movement to play right tackle full time, but I think in college and in short spurts, in a pinch, I feel like Cam Williams would be just fine at right tackle. He's strong enough. Uh, he's big enough. So you don't have to be incredibly fast or agile if you're that big of a human being uh, with that long of arms, that wingspan. But overall, I think his home and if he makes it to the NFL, I think it's going to be a right guard kind of. But Cam Williams is another one. And if Cole Hudson does make that move to center, I do think Cam Williams is going to be that backup right guard, and I feel really dang good about that as well. Um, Last guy I'll talk about on the offensive line, and then we'll move over to the defense, is Malik Ogbell. And to me, he's the most unknown about anybody that I talked about, but he's going to be that backup or maybe even third-string left guard uh, for Texas. And having that guy, I mean – if we see him play a lot of snaps in 2023, I think something absolutely terrible has happened to this Texas offensive line. If we're getting into into the third string um, players in Malik Agbo, I am a little bit worried. But also, he could just absolutely dominate in the fall and uh, kind of win out a job. Or maybe they do some reshuffling and Agbo moves to center or moves to left guard. Nito moves to backup left tackle. Um, there are a lot of ways to kind of shift these uh, players around. And especially with Kyle Flood cross-training these guys, it's almost impossible to kind of peg down a depth chart, which is why I have left tackle slash left guard for Nito or right guard slash right tackle for Cam. Um, I only have Cole Hudson as a right guard right now. The center thing is kind of just my dream. I haven't heard that reported anywhere. Uh, It's just something when watching him, I think would be absolutely perfect. Um, And for Agbo, I kind of have his left guard, but I feel like if Kyle Flood is cross-training everybody, I feel like Agbo could easily play right guard and he's honestly big enough to play either tackle as well I know he played tackle in high school so staying at guard isn't a complete uh concrete thing for Agbo as well so overall I just need nine players on this Texas offensive line and I'm not gonna lie I would feel okay about any of the nine playing at any point starting any games for Texas in 2023, which just speaks to the depth. Agbo, I'd be the most worried about just because I've seen him the least. Cam Williams is kind of right there as well. But the other seven, I would feel completely fine with um, starting for Texas at any point. Obviously, injuries happen. And Calvin Banks is a superstar. So losing him would be a much, much bigger deal. But overall, I think this Texas team is really solid. Uh, Somebody I just realized I skipped over while gushing about uh, DJ Campbell and Cole Hudson is Christian Jones returning for his maybe even seventh, but I think it's his sixth year at Texas. He's going to be the right tackle. I assume he wouldn't come back, I don't think, if he wasn't going to start at right tackle. And he's been getting better every single year he's been with Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood. So I think Christian Jones is going to be a really good starter at right tackle. Um, But again, like I said, cross-training is happening. So if he loses the job to Nito Umiazulu or to Cam Williams, I would be a little shocked, but I wouldn't be incredibly shocked. I, I definitely think that any of these guys can take any buddy's job except for the mentioned Kelvin Banks and Jake Majors. I think those ones are kind of nailed down at the moment. So 
that's nine names on the offensive line that I feel pretty, pretty good about. And that's basically it for the Texas offense, just kind of giving a preview of what to expect for 2023 and also a little bit of an outlook into 2024 and kind of the depth. And I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway for this Texas offense. And it will be for the Texas defense too, spoiler alert, but the depth that Steve Sarkeesian has built on this team, I think is legitimate. And I think it's the biggest difference um, for championship level teams. If you have, are you, if you're down a quarterback, a running back, one wide receiver, I would still feel pretty good about the guys that we have behind them. Same with the offensive line. Like I mentioned, the only one would be tight end, which is arguably the least important position on the team. Uh, You could say running back as well, but in football in general, um, I think running back, tight end, and linebacker are kind of the most devalued of any of them. I personally disagree with tight end. I think just the way that you could incorporate them in the pass game and the run game, if they're that level of talent, which Jatavion Sanders is, I think that just completely changes your offense and keeps you multiple in showing the same look multiple times while doing completely different things every single play. So definitely, definitely something to monitor there. Um, but yeah, overall, this Texas offense, incredibly deep. Now, let's take a quick break. My voice is incredibly dry. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about this Texas defense. How's it going, Longhorn Nation? We are back, and this time we're talking about the defense. This Texas defense lost a few notable names, um, mainly on the front seven with DeMarvin Overshone heading to the NFL, Keandre Coburn heading to the NFL, Mora Ojimo heading to the NFL, and then even Anthony Cook and Deshaun Jameson in the back end as well. So those are five starters that I just named that Texas is losing, but honestly, I feel pretty bullish on them kind of filling those gaps. Um, Let's start with the defensive line, and that has to start with Byron Murphy. He's going to be Texas's starting nose tackle. He should slide right into Keandre Coburn's role, and he maybe should surpass him as a pass rusher. Coburn had 31 pressures and four sacks in 2022. I could easily see Byron Murphy reaching that and even potentially going a step further um, on those pressure numbers. Sacks are going to be hard to do on the interior, just consistently being double teamed, especially at that nose tackle position. But Byron Murphy, by all accounts, has been having an incredible offseason, and he had a great 2022 season as well. So if he continues to take steps forward, I could definitely see him surpassing Kendrick Coburn's 2022 numbers. Next up on the defensive line, we have Tavondre Sweat, another guy who played incredibly well in 2022 and is here again in 2023 for Texas. He's going to be another starter at defensive tackle. He's a little bit bigger than Mora Ojimo, so I'm not sure he's going to play on the edge as much as Ojimo did. And Ojimo didn't do it a, a whole lot, but PK did like moving Ojimo over to edge, getting Byron Murphy and or Tafandre Sweat on the field with Keandre Coburn and Mora Ojimo. And that kind of let PK have a really big three deep down lineman front. Um, I don't see Tavandre Sweat moving to the edge, though. Uh, if PK wants to do that. But Sweat is still a great run defender, and he's pretty good as a pass pass rusher as well. So I think those top two defensive linemen for Texas are really, really good, and I don't think that there's going to be any drop-off after losing Coburn and Ojimo. Behind them, we have Alfred Collins, who, former five-star, you know, really, really talented guy, 
I think he's going to rotate in a lot for PK, kind of filling that role that Murphy and Sweat had in 2022. And even Alfred Collins had over 200 snaps. So he had plenty of playing time as well. But I think it's going to be expanded even more so now, obviously, with those two guys gone. I talked about Tefandre Sweat maybe not being that edge rusher on three and four down linemen fronts. I think Alfred Collins can absolutely fill that role. He has in the past, um, and I think he would be able to do it just because of how dang athletic he is. Um, But honestly, this is a contract year for Alfred Collins. He had a really solid uh, 2022, and he grew as a pass rusher for sure, but he wasn't really consistent as a run defender. He wasn't always even consistent as a pass rusher. If he kind of takes a step forward and puts it all together, he could be a day two pick in the NFL. If he has an, it has to be an incredible season for him. Um, but he has the talent, he has the athletic ability and measurements that NFL teams want. So I could absolutely see him him be a D2 pick if he is putting it all together in 2023. If not, he has a pretty great floor right now as well, though, as a rotational defensive lineman. And as Texas's third best defensive lineman, in my opinion right now, I think that's a really good uh, top three, especially if you're only running two down linemen most of the time in PK's 2-4-5 system. Next up, who I think will rotate in a lot as well, is Vernon Broughton. Uh, He's coming back for his fourth year. He played over 200 snaps last year as well, so he's a vet. Um, He's a really, really solid player. I'm not sure how much higher his ceiling is, but he was a former top 200 recruit. So maybe there is still more meat on the bone for him to take steps forward as well. Um... Those are kind of your top four, with the fifth being Trill Carter, six foot two, three hundred pounds, going into his fifth year in college. He's a transfer from Minnesota, where he had over a thousand snaps. So in the Big Ten, he's going to be your maybe backup or third string rotational nose tackle run defender. Um, I think he just provides incredibly solid depth and really good floor for this Texas defensive line because the next three guys I talk about, Jerry Bledsoe, Chris Ross, and Aaron Bryant, all former four stars in the 2022 class. Jerry Bledsoe was a top 200 player. Chris Ross was a top 250 player. And Aaron Bryant was a top 400 player. So all of them really, really talented, obviously, to varying degrees. Dre Bledsoe played a little bit on the edge in 2022. Sounds like by all accounts that he's going to transition to the down defensive lineman, which is kind of where most people saw him being originally. I think he played edge last year a little bit, just depth reasons. Um, He's a little bit bigger now coming into 2023, and I think he's going to be on that defensive line. Um, But, All three of these guys are complete unknowns, obviously, being freshmen last year. So I like that we have so much veteran presence on the defensive line. We have five guys who have played easily over 200 snaps in the past uh, two years. So with these three um, now sophomores, if any of them beat out these vets, I think that's a really good sign for this Texas defensive line. But it is incredibly deep no matter which way you slice it. Now let's move on to the edge rushers. A little bit of a projection here, but somebody who isn't a projection is Baron Sorrell, bonafide starter at the edge. He played really, really well in 2022. He had 33 pressures and seven sacks. Those seven sacks led the team for Texas. We definitely need to see another step forward for Sorrell, though. Um even though he did have seven sacks, there were so many times where Texas would get pressure and just nobody got home. So I feel like Sorrell just has more meat on the bone where he can finish plays more consistently and make pressures into sacks more consistently. But overall, I feel really, 
really good about him being one of our edge rushers. The other edge rushing spot, I think, is much more of a toss-up. And for that, I'll kind of talk about two guys here at the same time, and that's Justice Finkley and Jamon Tapp. Finkley played a lot more in 2022, but I think that is also because Finkley was better initially as a run defender, whereas Tapp is much more of just a pass rusher um, coming into his freshman year of college. So we'll kind of see how that splits up after they both had a full year of college under their belt. Both are former four stars and both are top 130 players in the 2022 recruiting class. So both are extremely, extremely talented players. And I think we're going to see a huge rotation between the two of them. Um, Finkley is incredibly talented. I watched him um, a lot more than I, did, than I did tap as a recruit. And just his natural flexibility and bendability, I really do think Finkley can be an elite pass rusher in college football and eventually in the NFL. Um, but both of them should see significant playing time in 2023. It's just much, much more of an unknown on how they'll be with Ovia Gofu transferring out and going to LSU. I wasn't the biggest Ovia Gofu uh, fan, honestly, but just having to replace his production with guys who haven't played a whole lot, or if they did in Finkley's case, just didn't show a whole lot as a pass rusher. It's still a lot of an unknown. This edge group is incredibly, incredibly young. And I'll talk about a couple other young guys behind them even. And that's starting off with Ethan Burke, who former four-star, top 350 player in the 2022 class. He was an incredibly late riser. He was a three-star for most of the cycle. Committed to Michigan, flips to Texas, earns that fourth star. Um, and he's a former lacrosse player. He played 53 snaps last year, which is kind of surprising. He was more than Jamon Tapp, honestly. Um, and I'm excited to see him with a full season under his belt, kind of get his weight up. Playing lacrosse, he was just skinny, 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 but six foot seven, really good height. And we'll kind of see how he fills out after a full year uh, at Texas. Next up, we got two true freshmen, Colton Vasek and Tuasili Akana. I think we might see a bit of them, but I'd be shocked if they either of them got over 100 snaps in 2023. Tuasili Akana is just small right now, but as a pure pass rusher, maybe Texas will kind of rotate him in a little bit. Vasek's a little bit bigger, six foot five, two hundred and sixty pounds ish. Um, but either way, I really just don't see either of these guys getting a whole lot of playing time. I think Finkley, Tap, and Burke are going to be a, mostly a part of that rotation. And I think. I talked about this defensive line being incredibly deep and veteran. I think we're going to see a lot more three and four deep down defensive linemen um, in 2023. Now let's talk about these linebackers, a position that I, I don't want to call it not deep because there are a lot of names here, but I don't feel great about a couple of them. Let's start off with the one I do feel great about, and that's linebacker Jalen Ford, preseason Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, absolute superstar. He probably should be reigning Defensive Player of the Year, but I digress. Um, that one's pretty obvious. I, I don't really need to get into Jalen Ford a whole lot. I think if he has another season anywhere near um, what he had in 2022, he's going to be a day two pick in the NFL. David Benda, going into year five, third year in this PK system, it sounds like he will definitely be the starter to start the year. I'd be shocked if he was the starter for the whole 2023 season, and that's because we have linebacker Anthony Hill, five-star freshman. And like I said with Benda, I'd be surprised if Anthony Hill didn't become a full-time starter by the end of the year. He's just so, so talented. He's big. He's, I don't know what he's listed at right now. This is bad podcasting, so I'm just going to skip it. 
but um, incredibly talented. Six foot three, 235 pounds. Incredibly talented. Honestly, in the spring game, he was an incredible pass rusher. He might have been one of the best pass rushers I saw in that spring game. So I hope that PK kind of also saw what I saw, saw what a lot of us saw, to be honest with you. And I hope they use him as a pass rusher in 2023, similar kind of to Micah Parsons, his rookie year with Dallas, or even Harold Perkins at LSU last year, if you caught any of those games. Anthony Hill is that level of an athlete to where I think he could honestly make a home as a full-time pass rusher if Texas chose to go that route with him. And I wouldn't be shocked if they do because they have a lot of young linebackers in Leon Glafau, Darian Gallette, uh, Samaje Burrell, and we'll get into him, but Jelani McDonald, they have a lot of young linebackers and the edge rushers. They, they do have a lot of edge rushers as well, but a talent like Anthony Hill, I think you want him in the most important positions. An edge rusher is undoubtedly more important, more valuable of a position than linebacker. So we'll kind of see how they deploy Anthony Hill. I'm hoping to see him as an edge rusher, but I know he's going to be a really, really good linebacker as well. Let's keep the train moving here, and let's talk about Jeb Bush. He surprisingly played over 150 snaps last year, and honestly, he was pretty good as a run defender, but he really, really struggled as a coverage player, and I think that's where Texas fans became incredibly frustrated with him. I think him and a guy like Maurice Blackwell, who is kind of a hybrid linebacker, defensive back, safety type, I think they complement each other incredibly well where Jeb Bush can kind of play the early downs, the obvious running downs. And Maurice Blackwell can come in as that big nickel or big dime defender and kind of be more of a coverage player, but also a force if teams do run while he's on the field or a screen play. I think Maurice Blackwell is physical enough of a player to kind of play in that mold, but similar to that mold, we have Jelani McDonald, who I have listed as a hybrid linebacker slash safety as well. He's a four-star top 75 recruit, true freshman. He didn't get to Austin until the summer. So I'll be interested to see where they line him up in 2023, if they line him up at all, or if they just kind of redshirt him and get him kind of honed in to either the linebackers or the safeties. Um, I think he's talented enough to play that big nickel, big dime role that I just talked about with Maurice Blackwell, but with exponentially more upside because of how athletically gifted Jelani McDonald is. So that's one that I definitely wanted to note, but I'm not sure if we'll see him in 2023 along with the other freshman linebackers that I mentioned in Samaje Burrell, Darian Gallette's coming off an ACL injury. I'd be shocked if we saw him. Um, and Leonga Lafau, we might see a little bit of him, but he came in at 210 pounds, which is pretty, pretty small. Um, this front seven that Pete Kwiatkowski is building is absolutely predicated to stopping the run first. And stopping the run with as little help as possible. And that is something that I completely agree with. That's something that Georgia does. If you see Georgia, yes, they have incredible talent as pass rushers, but <clears throat> they're all incredible run defenders. And Georgia can stop the run with basically five players. And then the other, um, the other six are, uh, are in pass coverage, kind of stopping the passing game from getting going. So Texas kind of taking a similar approach there. And I think with that defensive line and edge rushers, um, they're going to be able to do it again this year in 2023 because they did it really well in 2022. Now let's talk about these secondary players. And I'll kind of make this a little bit quick because the moral of the story here is it's an incredibly deep unit. Ryan Watts, starting boundary corner, 
that is going to be easy one, set it in stone. He should be off to the NFL after this year. Now, the field safe or the field cornerback spot is a little bit more of a toss-up. I have it right now as Gavin Holmes transfer from Wake Forest, but I was kind of shocked that they actually took a transfer to play uh, field field cornerback because Terrence Brooks played incredibly well um, <clears throat> as a true freshman last year. Yes, he had some hiccups. He gave up some big plays, but overall, the level of talent he is and how well he played at times in 2022 as a true freshman, I was just surprised that they didn't kind of bet on him. Reason for that, in my opinion, is because PK and Steve Sarkeesian know that 2023 is a money year for them, and they can't rely on Terrence Brooks taking that step. So they brought in Gavin Holmes to give them a pretty high floor. I wouldn't be shocked if Terrence Brooks kind of just steals the job from Gavin Holmes after a couple weeks and is the bona fide starter heading into 2024. Um, next up, we have Jade Barron, slot cornerback. He's going to be the starting nickel. Uh, PK calls it the spur. He might be the most unappreciated player on Texas. He is so, so good. I'm currently writing an article. I've got caught behind on it, so I'm going to need to finish that up very, very soon. But when I do, I promise I will let you all know. He's just an incredible talent, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be off to the NFL after this year, and he's probably going to go in the top 50 picks once NFL teams and other evaluators kind of pick up on what Jade Barron does because although he gives up a lot of catches in uh, in quotation marks, they're all short completions, and he's an incredible physical tackler. So those catches don't result in a whole lot of yards, even when he does um, kind of give up a catch, again, in quotation marks, to his uh, coverage responsibility. After those four, though, we have Jalen Gilbo, another guy who played incredibly well his true freshman season. He actually earned reps over Terrence Brooks, and he kind of rotated in that slot cornerback role uh, with Jade Barron quite a bit, even against Alabama, one of Texas' biggest games of the year. Jalen Gilbo was out there playing. Um, this is an incredibly stacked uh, cornerbacks room, if you can't tell already. And I'm not sure where Jalen Gilbo fits in, but I'd be shocked if he didn't get 200 or so snaps somewhere in this secondary. Malik Muhammad is going to round out the cornerbacks that I really, really want to talk about. Four-star, top 75, true freshman. Maybe pushes to get in that rotation, depending on injuries, of course, as well. But Honestly, like I said, this room is just so talented. I'm not sure he's going to be able to push any of these guys for starting reps. Um, we'll kind of wait and see there. Next, let's talk about, I'm just listing him as a defensive back, and that's Austin Jordan. Swiss Army Knife, uh, he's going to be a sophomore in the 2023 season. He could possibly play all five positions, in my opinion. I'm not sure he's a starter anywhere, but I just know that the level of depth that he brings to this unit is invaluable. You can't put a price on how valuable it is to have a guy like Austin Jordan on this team. Now, let's get into the starting safeties here. First up is starting field safety, transfer from Arkansas, Jalen Catalan. He's an all-SEC talent with a lot of injury history. So I talk about the depth that Texas has. They need it because Jalen Catalan has dealt with a myriad of injuries uh, while at Arkansas. And he's even dealing with one currently at Texas with his kind of shoulder injury. But he should be good to go by week one. And he's a guy who could completely transform this Texas secondary, honestly. If he is on, um, 
the level of difference between him and Anthony Cook alone is it, it's incredible. It's immense. So getting him on board was a huge, huge win for PK and Steve Sarkeesian, especially when talking about just the high end ability of this Texas defense. Next up, we have returning starter, Jaron Thompson. He's going to be that boundary safety. He should be that vocal leader for these defensive backs and be really, really good at getting everybody in position, you know, just being the mastermind in this defensive backs room. Jaron Thompson, I'm not sure he has the athletic ability to be an NFL draft pick, but I know that he's just all around a good enough player to play in the NFL. So we'll kind of wait and see how his 2023 season kind of rounds out. But in my opinion, he's going to be in a training camp. He might even be a draft pick uh, for an NFL team after this season. So definitely, definitely excited for that. Next, I want to talk about kind of a clump of safeties where I don't know where they're going to play, and I don't know who's going to beat out who for playing time. And that's a list of Keaton Crawford, Michael Taft, Larry Turner Gooden, B.J. Allen, and five-star true freshman safety Derek Williams. So all five of those guys I feel like could easily make a rotation in this Texas secondary. It just remains to be seen of who's going to take that step. Keaton Crawford didn't play particularly well in his 200 snaps last year but he is super athletic he might be the fastest player on this Texas team and he's definitely the fastest player in this Texas secondary it's just the mental side for him and kind of being able to distinguish coverages distinguish routes I should say and basically everything I said for Jaron Thompson about being incredibly smart, but just not having that athletic ability, reverse it for Keaton Crawford in 2022. If he takes that step on the mental side in 2023, I think he'll easily make a rotation in 2023. But that kind of remains to be seen. With Larry Turner Gooden and B.J. Allen, we didn't see them almost at all in 2022. So I'm not sure what to expect of them. They're both four-star players, highly touted, both top 300 players on consensus as recruits. So I just feel like that a full year at Texas, I feel like they could easily earn kind of snaps as well. Michael Taft, walk-on, earns a scholarship. Incredible, incredible story, but... Again, he played better than Keaton Crawford did. He had over 200 snaps as well in 2022. I don't know if he can fend off guys like Larry Turner Gooden, B.J. Allen, Derek Williams as well. That kind of remains to be seen, but all around just really, really excited about the depth of this Texas secondary. Derek Williams as well. I brought him up a couple times. I just want to make sure that y'all know that I think that he – could easily play immediately as a true freshman. Maybe not a full-time starter, especially with the guys we have, but incredibly talented, five-star, just ready to rock and roll. Texas had 10 defensive backs with over 175 snaps last year. Now, Deshaun Jameson dealt with some injuries. Ryan Watts had some injury. Um... I think even Anthony Cook had some injury as well. He did. So that plays into it as well. But 10 defensive backs over 175 snaps, Texas can easily do that again. And I'd feel really comfortable with everybody that they're going to give snaps to. Last year, with Jalen Gilbo and Terrence Brooks getting a lot of those snaps, and even Michael Taft and Keaton Crawford as well, those four guys were not proven at all. Um, Michael Taft obviously played better than everybody thought he would. Keaton Crawford disappointed a little bit. Terrence Brooks and Jalen Gilbo, though, played really well. This year, we have a lot more known quantities to take those snaps. Um, just Austin Jordan as well had, had a lot of snaps as a true freshman, and we know him 
like I mentioned before, as that Swiss Army knife defensive back who can kind of play anywhere. But I just gave you a ton of names. I don't know how this is going to shake out, but I know for sure that Ryan Watts, Gavin Holmes, Terrence Brooks, Jody Barron, Jalen Gilbo, Jalen Catalan, Jaron Thompson are all going to get playing time. And that's seven names. That's not including Malik Muhammad, Austin Jordan, uh, Larry Turner Good, and B.J. Allen, Derek Williams, Keaton Crawford, and Michael Tapp. That's all to say Texas secondary is incredibly deep, stupid deep, honestly. And any injuries I feel like Texas can withstand. I talked about it with the offensive side earlier, but the only true injuries where I feel like Texas is going to be in a bit of hot water is tight end and linebacker. And even at linebacker, they have a lot of a lot of freshmen, so I don't feel great about starting them right away. But they're really talented freshmen, especially Leon Galafau, um coming in and playing right away. I wouldn't feel terrible about that. Jelani McDonald as well. Uh, even better, honestly, in my opinion. So I wouldn't even feel terrible about terrible about them playing right away. The tight ends are kind of veteran. They've been in the locker room for three years now. Um, Tavion Sanders, Gunnar Helm, and Juan Davis all came in the same recruiting class. So they've all kind of been in the locker room with Jeff Banks the whole time. I, I bet that Jeff Banks has consistently developed them. Honestly, he's one of the best coaches in college football on special teams, and he's pretty dang good at tight end too. Jatavion Sanders' development will tell you that. But overall, this Texas de- this Texas team as a whole is incredibly, incredibly talented, and I don't see a reason why they shouldn't compete for a Big 12 championship. And they should win it. It all comes down to one game, though. We saw with TCU last year, stuff happens in one game. You could lose it, but Texas should be a top-10 team in college football. They should be competing for a college football playoff in 2023. It's just such a deep team. They have depth at basically every position, like I mentioned a million times. I don't see why why they shouldn't honestly um their win total is at nine and a half i am taking that over obviously the schedule isn't great but it's not terrible either um non-con away at alabama is going to be tough but they should be able to handle wyoming they should be able to handle um i forgot who they play week one rice they should be able to handle both of them so i as long as they don't drop a classic Texas Longhorns game like Tech or Iowa State or TCU, if they don't drop any of those games that they should win, they should be favored in every single game that they play sans the Alabama game because it's on the road and it's Alabama. It's it's the name. Alabama, we'll get into it when I talk about them probably next week. Honestly, I'll drop that one. We'll get into it, but Alabama, just with the uncertainty at quarterback for them, I'm not too bullish on them in 2023. I mean, I'm sure that they'll be fine coached by Nick Saban. You can't really bet against that. But as for playing Texas week two, Texas has the upper hand. They're returning a lot, especially, obviously, quarterback Quinn Ewers, that full offensive line. Most of the defensive line, honestly, even though we lost two guys, still having Byron Murphy, Devondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, and Vernon Broughton in the locker room, who all had over 200 snaps last year. Adding Trill Carter, who has over 1,000 snaps in his career. That defensive line, those trenches are so, so deep as well. I think those... Three positions are probably the most important positions in college football, and Texas kind of has them locked down. So I feel really good about Texas heading into the 2023 season. If it doesn't work out, it's not fire Sark season, but it's definitely 
putting him on the hot seat heading into 2024 because there's almost no excuse to why this 2023 team cannot win 10 plus games. So wait and see. That's all for today. Thank you all for listening. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends and family about us. But as always, hook them.